afternoon and welcome to Mission Breakthrough. What a time to be living in, isn't it? I wonder how you have been faring over the last few weeks. Well, today we are going to be looking at the power gifts. The second category of spiritual gifts is actually an artillery of gifts known as the gifts of power and the gift of faith, the gifts of healing and the working of miracles. And these gifts are second in appreciation and second in greatness and the revelation gifts being the greatest God can give. And perhaps some of you who are listening today already have have these gifts and we certainly need them in this in this time and day we need to be able to encourage others and we ourselves need to be encouraged too and Lester Summerall from his book called the believers handbook is what we are looking at today so first of all let us have a look at the gift of faith We must recognize, first of all, that there are many kinds of faith. Sometimes the gift of faith is mistaken for the simple faith it takes for salvation. But the two are not the same. Everyone has faith, the Bible says so. God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. This type of universal faith has no relation to the supernatural sign gifts of the Holy Spirit we are studying about here. There is a difference between the measure of faith, which the Bible says is given to every believer, and the gift of faith. Natural faith. There is a natural faith that human beings have, the kind of faith a farmer has when he sows seed. He plants a seed of corn, believing that it will die, burst open, come up out of the ground as a simple little blade, and then grow into a healthy stalk that will produce more corn. The farmer has faith for that, otherwise rather than planting the corn seed, he would eat it. This is an example of natural faith. A fisherman has the same kind of natural faith. He believes that if he goes out on a lake and casts his net in the right spot at the right time in the right way, he will catch fish. And he is generally successful in his belief. Saving faith. In the spiritual realm, there is a kind of faith we call saving faith. A person hears the gospel of Jesus Christ, believes it, accepts Jesus into his heart, and is saved. That is saving faith, saved from his sin. And instead, because he has invited Jesus Christ into his life, he he will receive the gift of eternal life. For every redeemed person in the world has his saving faith. But not every person has a gift of faith. The thief on the cross next to Jesus, when he, when Jesus and the thief were, were dying, they, well, the thief had saving faith. He just believed on Jesus and received his salvation as he hung there on that cross. He had no time to receive the gift of faith from the Spirit of God. The Filipino jailer, had saving faith. He fell at the feet of Paul and Silas and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Receive on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. 
He believed and he was converted too. We need this kind of faith to become converted and we need, we need it to receive healing. We say, Lord, I bring my disease to you. I believe that by your stripes I am healed. I accept it, thank you for it and confess that I've got it now. The gift of faith is special though. The gift of faith is different from other types of faith. It is a special faith that supernaturally achieves what is impossible through human instruments. We observe the gift of faith in operation when God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, performs supernatural exploits that cannot be humanly explained. These exploits cannot be what is done ordinarily, otherwise they would have no relation to the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit. This kind of miracle has to be something that a human being could not do normally. There is no human strength involved in and it, this fact must be clearly understood. And the gift of faith has to do with the functioning of God in you and through you, but with no human strength involved on your part. You do nothing in this gift, and God does something supernaturally on your behalf. The gift of faith can operate in areas of divine protection and divine provision. And certainly today, in this world as we got to know it over the last few months, certainly people are needing this, this kind of faith. Christians are needing it, particularly in other countries. But in whatever area it works, it works independent of yourself. You do nothing about it. God does it all for you. It is a power of faith functioning gloriously and amazingly on your behalf just as it functioned through Jesus. He spoke mighty words to the tempest and immediately it was calmed. That was faith functioning through him. He did nothing but speak words of faith and it was done. Most Christians probably do not believe they drink from the same fountain Jesus drank from, but they do. We have the same kind of power flowing through us that flowed through Jesus. This truth came dramatically to me, so um, Lester Summerall writes, <clears throat> he, we have the same kind of uh, power, he said, and this, tru- this truth came dramatically to Lester Summerall. For instance, he was not taught as a boy that we should be anything like Jesus. He thought men like Moses and the Apostle Paul had a special inroad with God that he could never be able to experience. And it was exciting when he discovered that he was a participant in the same strength, the same power, the same vitality, the same wisdom and the same knowledge that Jesus had. And so faith can also be unlimited. And the gift of faith has been manifested by many of God's servants. It is evidenced when, when a supernatural event occurs with no human effort. Faith permits God to perform on your behalf. This gift of faith is unlimited for the simple reason that God, not man, is a door. God is the source of its energy. If this were not the case, then the gift of faith would have to be limited, as are some of the other spiritual gifts. The the gift of faith deals with more than conquerors. 
Romans 8.37 A conqueror is a person who meets another person of equal strength and knocks him out. A person who is more than a conqueror just stands and says fall and down goes that other person. The gift of faith functions in all those who are more than conquerors. God does something while your hands are closed. That means you are more than a conqueror. He does the fighting. You do the rejoicing in the gift of faith. God does all the work. I do not mean to imply that you are lazy. You simply have the anointing and the power of God within you. You speak it and God does it. If you say it can't be done, you are right, it can't. Not in your life. You cannot function in God without faith. That is why you should read the Bible every day. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The gift of faith functions on behalf of the believer to bring about what otherwise would not be possible through that person's efforts. Let's illustrate this gift of faith with some examples from the word of God. For instance, Moses, according to the word of God, took a staff and dropped it at the feet of the greatest king of his day, Pharaoh of Egypt. Pharaoh was the strongest monarch upon the face of the earth at the time. His was a kingdom of strength on earth. When Moses laid down his shepherd's staff, it suddenly changed into a king cobra. So Pharaoh called in his magicians. When they threw down their staffs, they too became serpents, and Moses' serpent devoured theirs. When Moses reached down and took up the cobra, it became a staff again. Here was a functioning of sovereign power on Moses' behalf. Moses had nothing to do with what happened. He was just an observer of what God did, and it was a miracle very convincing to the monarch. Pharaoh finally let the children of Israel have the land, leave the land of Egypt because of the mighty miraculous signs that Moses called into being. Moses called the miraculous into being and God performed them. The great power of God was demonstrated without Moses even lifting a finger. He just folded his hands. <coughs> Another example of a gift of faith in operation is in Second Kings chapter 6. Elijah had his Bible school boys out cutting down some trees. When one of the students hit a tree with an axe, the axe's head flew off and fell into the Jordan River. And he cried and he said, Alas, master, for it was a borrowed... It was borrowed, and the man of God said, Where fell it? And, and he showed in the place, and he cut down a stick and cast it in, and the iron did swim. Well, the man of God, Elijah, acted in this gift of faith, illustrating the power of that gift. Seven of the nine gifts of the Spirit functioned in the Old Testament. The only two of the nine gifts that began with the New Testament are tongues and the interpretation of tongues. These seven gifts in the Old Testament did not function in the same way as in the New Testament. They came upon men only at special times and special situations. Elijah was one of the most remarkable of these men and... He functioned in the word of knowledge more than anyone of his day. 
You can read, beginning with the time Elijah called him into service until, until his death, and you can see how many times he supernaturally understood things from a distance. It is a very enlightening stu- study. The um, Daniel, Daniel was a remarkable man of faith too. Having been brought from his homeland of Israel into Babylon, he was a refugee. But more than that, Daniel was a prisoner of war. He was such a handsome, clever fellow that he was put into training with the other younger men. He was so clever, in fact, that he soon arose to the top and with some of his friends was actually ruling Babylon. And the Babylonians became jealous of Daniel because of his remarkable wisdom, which was actually coming from God. He had a source of information, a source of blessing that the Babylonians knew nothing about. Out of jealousy, these men spied on Daniel to find something for which they could accuse him before the king. And when they found him praying three times a day to Jehovah, they managed to trick the king into passing a law proclaiming proclaiming that prayer uh, could be offered to no one except the king of Babylon. They made their king into a god, not because they loved him, but because they hated Daniel. The penalty for anyone disobeying this law was to be thrown into a special den of lions. Well, Daniel knew about the law, but his faith was so strong that he would not stop praying to his God. He prayed with his windows wide open for all to hear and see. And eventually he was arrested and brought before the king. And when the king realized what had happened, he was very sorry about the situation. But he had no choice except to condemn Daniel and command that he be cast into the den of lions. And the king must have had faith in Daniel's faith, though um, because he told him, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. And the next morning he hurried to check on Daniel. He must have had faith, faith or he would not have done that. He simply would have sent out servants to pick up Daniel's bones. But when he reached the den, he found Daniel safe and sound, ready to go back to work. How did that happen? By the power of faith. When Daniel was placed in the den of lions, he was immediately the master of the situation. He did not hurt the beasts. He did not ask God for power to to tear them to pieces. He simply radiated a force that caused the lions to lie down in perfect peace. As he slept among them, Daniel personally did nothing. It was God who performed the amazing miracle. The gift of faith was in action. Daniel told the king, my, my God has sent his angel and has shut up the, the, um, the lion's mouths and they have not hurt me. Another example, of course, is the gift of faith in Smith Wigglesworth. Um, I was very well acquainted with Smith Wigglesworth, writes <coughs> Esther Summerall, <coughs> having visited in his home many times before he passed away. He was certainly a, di- a d- dynamic man of faith. Smith Wigglesworth and his wife met and were married in the Salvation Army. 
Though a plumber by trade, he worked with his wife in a local mission. He was slow of speech, so he handed out songbooks and took up the offering while his wife did the preaching. But there was something big inside Smith Wigglesworth. When he prayed for people, things happened. He demonstrated some amazing feats of faith in his life. One day when he came home from work, he was met at the door with news that his wife had died, that she had been dead for two hours. To that, Smith Wigglesworth replied, No, she's not dead. He dropped his lunch bucket and tools, walked into the bedroom, pulled her out of bed, stood her against the wall, called her by her first name and said, I command you to come to me now. Then he backed off. And here she came. She lived a number of years after that. You see, faith was a primary strength in the life and ministry of Smith Wigglesworth. He knew what it was to have the gift of faith. (coughs) The gift of faith in Howard Carter. Many beautiful operations of this special gift of faith occurred in the life of Howard Carter. At one time, Reverend Carter made arrangements to purchase by faith a church for a local congregation in London, England. He was given 60 days to pay the note. At the time, he was president of the Hampshire Bible School. As the days and weeks went by and no money came in, the faculty and students became very concerned. They were so nervous, in fact, that the last day or two they found it difficult to eat. Everyone, that is, except Reverend Carter. His appetite was as good as usual. The night before the day of of foreclosure on the property, there were still no funds, but Reverend Carter was a man of faith. He said very simply, God has assured me that I will have the full payment on schedule. I don't have the money now, but I don't need it until tomorrow. The last mail delivery in London is 9pm. As Reverend Carter picked up the mail from the box, there was a large brown envelope. As he himself told me, I picked up the envelope and laid it on the mantel with the other mail. I was going to leave it there until the next morning. Usually when I get a large brown package like that, it is a load of clippings and someone has sent for me to that someone has sent for me to read. But the Lord spoke to his heart and said, Open it tonight. He argued for a while, but finally surrendered to that urging within his spirit. And when he tore open the package, he found a bundle of new pound notes from the bank, exactly the amount he needed to purchase the church. There was no name or return address on the envelope. The gift was anonymous. God oftentimes provides for his servants that way. Anyone else would have jumped up and down, shouted with excitement and run upstairs to tell everyone what had happened. Not the Reverend Carter. He very calmly placed the envelope on the shelf where it had been and went to bed. The next morning at breakfast, he told the students and faculty about their blessing. Then he passed around the brown envelope for all to see. While everyone went wild with joy and excitement, Reverend Carter hardly wrinkled his face. He said, I knew it two months ago, and I was sure of it two months ago. 
I told the Lord I wasn't nervous about about when he would send it. I didn't need it until 11 a.m. on that certain day. So any time, time before that would be fine. Another great demonstration of the gift of faith occurred when the Reverend Carter was in prison during World War I, serving time as a conscientious objector. He was placed in a cell so narrow that he could not move around. The concrete roof above him leaked and the dripping of water on his head was extremely aggravating. Finally, one night he said, Lord, stop that leak. The Lord answered, No, I won't stop it. You stop it. But Lord, how can I stop it? Speak to it. That is when Howard Carter discovered the power, his power with God. Lying on a cot in a prison cell, iron bars on each side, a concrete roof above him, water peppering down on his head, Reverend Carter spoke to the water. He commanded it to flow the other way. At that moment, the leak stopped and not another drop of water came through during the war. It was a dynamic act of the gift of faith. Howard Carter was a man of solid truth and Esther Summerall says that he lived with him for many years and never knew him to exaggerate. Whatever he told was absolute truth. There are other gifts of healing. For instance, the gifts of healing may possibly be the most controversial of the nine gifts of the Spirit. It is the only gift of the nine that is in the plural form. The only gift that has to do with more than one aspect which would lead to the question, how many gifts of healing are there? It has been suggested that there are possibly as many categories of disease in the world as there were gifts placed upon Jesus' back. He received 39 stripes, and according to Isaiah 53, verse 5, with his stripes, we are healed. Jesus was very careful to differentiate between the various kinds of sickness and disease. He came up against, for example, in Matthew 17, he dealt with a little boy who would throw himself into the fire and into the water. Of this, he said, Howbeit this kind does not go out by prayer and fasting, and the Lord was showing that special attention had to be given to someone who has been relieved of satanic oppression, that there had to be special preparation, a cleansing of the one who was to deliver the healing. And why is the gift of healing the only gift that is actually uh, <coughs> limited Why cannot one minister have all nine gifts? Well, the Lord Jesus, of course, is the only person who possessed uh, consistent, perfect gifts of healing in his ministry. He never failed to heal. And the Apostle Paul could not heal everyone. He even left behind a certain member of his own evangelistic party for the simple reason the Bible says that he was sick. And... In Second Timothy 4.20, even Simon Peter had to call upon Jesus to heal his mother-in-law. 
there is divine purpose for this. If all nine gifts of the Spirit function through one channel, that person would then be like God. If he healed all people that were sick whenever he wanted to, he would be accepted by the world as God. If one human being had the ability to heal every disease among men, he would be unable to withstand the praise, honor, and the riches that would be lavished upon him. This is Murray Yates signing off for this month. May the Lord bless you all.